Welcome in, welcome in to the Dynasty Mafia podcast. I am your host, Antonio Denisi, and with me as always, Eric Denisi and Keenan Jimajic. How are we tonight, fellas? Good, good. Good. How about yourself, Antonio? I am fantastic. I am fantastic. Thank you. Happy Father's Day to the both of you. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, fur babies do count. So <laughs> any, any pet, pet parents out there, uh, happy Father's Day to you. Uh, Keenan, a father of triplets. I don't know how he does it. I've got one of my own and a second on the way, but I can't imagine having triplets. So tell the world a little bit of how you make that happen. Easy work. Easy work, you know. Um, they're great, though. Um, they're, they made it easy on us. So I give them, I give them all the credit, and I give uh, my wife all the credit. So I'll take no credit for it. <laughs> yeah, you're just, you're just present, right? I'm, I just pay the bills. You know. <laughs> yeah, They're they a true blessing. Uh, your kids are great. And um, Eric, Eric will, will be getting some of his own someday as well. Um, no, guys, but the NFL's back. Uh, 81 days from today, we have a kickoff. Hopefully, fingers of crossed. course. Fingers yes, crossed. of course. Fingers Maybe. crossed. Toes are crossed. Everything is crossed. <laughs> 81 days from today that we are hopefully kicking uh, that football, but someone that may not be kicking that football is Delvin cook as he's had some talks about holding out, which, like I said, has really gotten, gotten me feeling like the season is coming closer and closer, even though training camp is also potentially around the corner. Uh, what do you think about Delvin cooking? Well, as you know, he declared, um, that he's not taking in part in any uh, team activities until he receives a reasonable contract. Um, what ESPN has reported, we all heard that he feels disrespected by the, uh, in quotations, the Melvin Gordon money. Um, I think he, he's looking for around $13 million a year. Um, I'm on the Viking side. I don't know about you guys. I just di- digging in into some of, some of his numbers here, um, his injury numbers are just a concern of mine. Um, he, like I said, he had, he had a great year last year, uh, put up put up over a thousand yards, 50, 53 receptions, uh, 519 yards receiving 13 total touchdowns, but that was all rushing. Um, however, in his season, in his games that he's played so far, he's only played 29 out of the 48 games that he, since he's been drafted, he's only played 29 games out of the 48 possible. So I, I don't think, I don't think he's worth 13, $13 million, honestly, if you can't stay on the field what's the point of paying the guy $13 million a year? Plus I I'm a big fan of uh, their backup there, Alexander Madison, where they spent a third round pick for him. So I think, I think the Vikings are playing as smart. Um, see, to see if they could sign him. If not, um, I would call his bluff. See if he comes, comes back and then see if you franchise tag him and try to get a trade by try to trade him to a team that wants him, I guess. I hope I hope everyone watched last episode because he was one of my cells. Um, yes, he was. I said that this was potentially going to happen. Um, I I just I mean it was obvious. It's not like it was all me, but um, yeah. I just it was pr- almost clear as day that it was going to happen. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon Bell they they did it before him. Uh, they but like you said they offered him Melvin Gordon money, which was like what seven eight million a year. Um, it was two years, sixteen which, million dollars. 
Hawks. So Which eight, that, that, that does seem a little bit disrespectful. I definitely understand, though. Like you said, I'm, I'm on their side. Like, why would you pay that much money? They already have cap issues of their own. Um, they got Alexander Madison. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised by it at all. But I'm, I'm curious, though, what happens if – what if this season gets canceled? Does, does he not accrue that season? So does that mean next year it's just going to happen again? I think, well, what actually happens is if – there has been some speculation with the way the new CBA is, but if I've seen correctly, if he misses any part of training camp, then he can start being fined, of course. But I think if you get fined five times, uh, you lose the accrual of that season, which then wouldn't make him a free agent. It would make him a restricted uh, – or I'm sorry, he wouldn't accrue if, the season, so it would carry over, so he would he would be tied to the Vikings again. What if the season got season. canceled due to COVID, though? Yeah, I don't think – I don't think they've got that much, but I would assume – I would assume everybody would accrue their season and then probably go to free agency. Yeah, I think I think the way the word, wording of each contract is it goes from a certain year to 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 the year when it expires. So I think I think there would be a lot of legal issues if the okay. NFL if the NFL said no, you can't. You know, it doesn't count against the contract. You got to stay with that current team because a lot of players, you know, just because they're not playing if they're not playing football, it doesn't mean that they're, you know their age their age isn't increasing um you know father time is is undefeated and i i'm pretty sure those players that are supposed to hit free agency will still want to hit free agency to get paid yeah the leverage is with minnesota in all of this so it really is surprising that delvin cook even went to this point but i'll be honest i do think there's a chance that they may come to a deal i don't think it's going to be 13 million either but I could see maybe an extension of two years that gets him an average of a little over $10 million um, just because he is a, a very good player. And, and while he hasn't been on the field uh, all the time when he is, he, he is fantastic. And he's only 24. Uh, let's mention only that. 24. Right. Right. So he's got, uh, he's definitely got a lot, a lot ahead of him. And another player that's got a lot ahead of them is Dak Prescott. Uh, there's been a lot of talk this offseason. Everybody knows he was tagged. Um, I believe the date's July 15th. They have to sign that deal if they couldn't reach a long-term extension. But it sounds like Dak is signing that deal uh, tomorrow, as he uh, has announced uh, for Monday, June 22nd. Uh, so that's going to be $31.4 million, not the $40-plus million he was hoping to get on an annual basis. But uh, that's going to definitely tie him. Uh, just for one season only to Dallas, and uh, we'll see what twenty twenty one off season will bring. Uh, poor him, only thirty one million next year. <laughs> well, compared to the what is I think five million he was making, uh, one of the lowest paid quarterbacks. Of course, he makes a lot on the endorsements on the side, being the Cowboys quarterback. But uh, he definitely wants to get what he feels he's worth, which isn't that. Yeah, well, yes, it is. I, you know me. I said, I said it. I, I think the Cowboys are doing it right. I said it before. Um, and put them on a prove it deal. And this is pretty much it. If you put up numbers and you get into the playoffs, I'm sure Jerry Jones not not going to be hesitant to pay you pay him that forty plus. Or if you win them the Super Bowl, I mean, or win a playoff game, I guarantee Jerry Jones signs that signs that check. 
Yeah, that's all he needs to do is at least get a playoff win, and, and I'm sure. Uh, I think they may come to some type of agreement eventually. We don't we won't go uh, too far on the rabbit hole today, but there's a chance he could fr- sign the franchise tag in 2021 as well. Um, hasn't bode bode well for the the teams that they sign with, but in the end, but uh, we'll we'll see more to come with that. Uh, speaking of long term, though, Kyle Shanahan is stuck with the 49ers I, in a good way, of course now through 2025 as uh, he had three years left on his deal, the six-year deal he signed in 2017. They have now signed a new six-year deal that's going to keep him there, as I said, through 2025. Uh, smart move, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I like I like Shanahan. Um, he has a good system there. He went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo tossing eight balls in a game. Um, so... So, yeah, I think it's good for all the players there, especially the wide receivers there, the young wide receivers, because those are the guys he picked. He drafted them. Um, They're going to be with him for the next six years. So so I think it's good for the fantasy options there. George Kittle, too, as well. Um, And, yeah, I like it all around. My only question is, what was the rush? Was there a rush to sign him to an extension? He was still on a three-year deal, you know. Potentially, maybe cap reasons. I don't. Well, I mean, I don't. I don't know exactly. I think it was more just so none of them had to worry about it because you know he goes through another season like this, and now you're down to two years, and then you're talking about it next year. Now you just you know you're both good to go. John Lynch and him have a great thing going on, and that's all I think. I think that they just got together and they're like, hey, you're you're worth a little more than than we already were paying you, and we want to keep you longer. Is that how it works? I'm going to go to my boss tomorrow and say I'm, I'm worth a little bit more than what they're paying me. Hey, well, when you go to the Super Bowl and you take the team from where they were in 2017 to get into the Super Bowl two seasons later, that was pretty pretty impressive. Uh, Eagles' Brandon Brooks, PFF's number one guard last year towards Achilles. He's going to miss the season. Uh, do you think that's an impact on Miles Sanders at all, or do you think with that line already being as great as they are, it's just going to bring him down a little bit. No, no, no. Antonio, you tell us if this is an impact on Miles Sanders. You're a big Miles Sanders fan, so let's hear it. Um, I'm, I'm really not too worried about it. Uh, like, like I just said, I think it's, it's a fantastic line that just lost a good piece, kind of similar to how the Cowboys were uh, for their run, their strong run, even though the line is still really good. But um, I think they're going to be able to pick up pick up the pieces not going to fill that role fully like I said Brandon Brooks is really great um, but I think that he's going to be just fine just fine uh, something that may not be fine as we mentioned when we started this episode COVID-19 is really hitting the NFL in full force as teams started coming back uh, there are rumors that potentially a third of the league uh, roughly 10 teams have at least had one player test positive for covid uh, we already know of, at least at least I know of, Cowboys, the Texans, the Buccaneers, the 49ers, the Broncos. Uh, I'm not sure who the other ones are. I don't know if you guys know of any offhand. But not good. Not good for, as I mentioned, 81 days from kickoff. Uh, the NFLPA has encouraged any group activities to cease immediately. But they're still planning on training camp starting uh, as on schedule. So hopefully these quarantine or whatever. It's definitely worrisome. Right now. 
It is. It is. Hopefully, they're they're going to keep players away from each other for the next couple of weeks leading into training camp. But I really hope they figure something out. Like uh, just all go to one city or two cities or something, something like that, to where maybe like a maybe like a city on the east and a city on the west, and then they just kind of do do that. I don't know. I really hope they figure something out. If they're going to do that, they- I really don't think they're they're definitely not going to be fans. Yeah, I just. I agree with that. I don't think they'll be fans, but if they're going to do bubble cities or uh, whatever, they, whatever you want to call them, post cities or whatever, the NFL should do it sooner than later. Look what's going on with the NBA and the NHL right now. Players are already starting to uh, test positive for the virus and they're still in their local, in their team cities. Um, so imagine if they would have done this two months ago, said we're all going to the city and everyone moved there and we'll figure it out as we go. Um, but the longer the players are still out, out of this bubble, out of the quarantine bubble or whatever you want to call it, the likely they have a chance of getting the virus, I guess. Yeah, but I don't know if you could really do a hub city with the NFL like you could with NBA because of the facilities needed, the uh, the rehab, yeah. the training. It's yeah. it's just so scary. Like you guys said, it's scary. Well, the good thing is, the good thing is if there's not going to be any fans, then they don't necessarily need to play in a big stadium. So you could have hub cities and just have a large field with a bunch of football fields on it. Can you imagine the Super Bowl being played in a in a field house? No, that that would be played in a stadium, <laughs> just like get down in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't I, I don't think the season starts in September, unfortunately. And like Eric said, I don't see it starting, and or I don't see fans in the stadium. Which means sell your old players now. Your uh, uh, Adam Thielen's, Julio Jones, uh, your Zach Ertz, don't Zach take Ertz, Travis money. Kelsey. Ah, uh, I don't know. I I am very worrisome of everything, but I am staying optimistic. I'm hoping that everybody can take this as a, an extreme reality check, and they keep themselves isolated or whatever they need to do to get training camp moving. But yeah, I'm just I'm just going to keep uh, wishful thinking. I just hope people pe- players stay safe. Um, as well as coaches and everybody. That's the biggest thing, uh, priority, is safety. But uh, more to come. I'm sure we're going to hear more and more and more every single week as we get closer. So that's going to lead us to the main segment that we want to talk about today. Antonio, before we move on, I I got something to say. Yeah. One more news and notes. Rob Gronkowski is not the 24-7 champion anymore in the WWE. I don't know if you guys saw his fabulous – Fabulous acting skills. Um, it was actually horrendous. I hope he's not looking to be an actor um, after his NFL career. What so happened? He got – well, you know, he's filming a TikTok video. Um, there's a landscaper who's who's a wrestler, and the guy that's filming a TikTok video is actually a referee. The landscaper turns around and pins Rob Gronkowski, the guy who's filming the – TikTok takes his takes his sweater off and he has a referee shirt on and he counts counts the one two three and Rob Gronkowski <laughs> is twenty four seven WWE championship. So uh, nice. I would uh, <laughs> if you're looking for a good laugh and horrible acting, check it out. Good for him though. <laughs> Not many NFL players can say that that they are that champion. That's for sure. Add that to your resume, Rob. Yeah, there you go, Rob. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to get to our main segment 
Uh, and it's going to be oldies but goodies. So what we're going to talk about is the older running backs who used to be great as far as their ADP, specifically in the year of 2016. And who are we talking about? Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, and David Johnson. So five years later, and all of them on new teams, how are they looking in 2020, and how are they going to fare? Uh, we have seemed to see a trend beginning with NFL teams that, you know, second rounds of contracts for running backs uh, haven't have been few and far between, uh, especially with the Gurley and Zeke. Now, you know, hopefully nothing bad happens with Zeke, but we just haven't seen good things with the long-term contracts. Uh, and then you have teams like the Titans who franchised Derrick Henry and drafted Darrington Evans, Green Bay drafting, uh, AJ Dillon. They, they did say they were uh, working out, working um, to get a long-term deal done with Derek, Derek Henry. So that's yeah. at least good that they came out and said that. Yeah, they have a couple weeks left, so hopefully they can do that. Definitely tough when you can't see each other, I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's definitely it's definitely been intriguing. So something that we kind of wanted to dive into. So we're gonna start with Le'Veon Bell, uh, his dynasty. Uh, ADP in 2016 and this is position specific. So obviously for running backs, uh, he was number four and now in 2020, he is number 25. So he did finish 21, 21st last year, non PPR and 16th in PPR. Uh, which one of you want to want to get started off with Le'Veon Bell? What Eric, why don't you get started? Um, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think, I think running back, you said 25 it was. Um, that 21 in non-PPR, 16th in PPR. PPR. Um, yeah, that's pretty good for me. I, I would love him to have him as um, – is this – by the way, is this Dynasty Startups? The yeah, this was Dynasty Startups. So he's 25th the, now uh, for running back, and he was fourth in 2016. And he's 25th, yeah. that I mean, yeah, so you're getting him as your, your RB3. Um I mean, you're not going to have much usage on him probably this year and then maybe maybe a year um, after, depending on what happens there. And I doubt he's going to be a Jet after this year. Um, so we'll see where he goes. But, I mean, that that's pretty that's a pretty good price, I'd say. I, I'd definitely draft him there. Um, you're going to get probably a really similar year the, to uh, last year. Uh, which is going to be pretty good still, um, but but like I said, long term, long term, he's not he's not going to be much. You're really only looking at this year, maybe maybe another year after. I think he has a better year than uh, last year. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree there, just because the, what the Jets did in the offseason, adding seven offensive linemen last year, their offensive line was absolutely one of the worst. I I think in history almost. Um, their offensive line. No offensive line has opened up with fewer yards before contact besides the Jets. Also, Bell has was contacted behind the line of scrimmage of 58% of the time, which was the second highest in the league. And 28% of the carries were stuffed for zero gain or less, um, which was second highest in the league. So I think I think you're going to see an improvement. I don't think you're going to see a drastic improvement in, in Bell. Um, but, like, like we, like you said, Eric, as a third down, as a third option on your fantasy team, I think, I think he still has a couple years in him, um, and I think he's gonna have a better year than last year. 
The only thing that scares me is Gase. Does Gase not want to give him the ball? Well, he definitely acts like he doesn't want to, but he still had over 300 touches last year. And now that they brought in Frank Gore, I do see those touches going down, but I definitely see more than 250. So I think like we're all, I think we're all in agreement here that he is a good, a good draft pick. Um, like you said, Keenan, I, I do think he may be there past next season. They do have a chance to get out. Uh, I think it's only $4 million at dead cap uh, after next season. But, but yeah, Gase doesn't like him. I don't know what his deal is. And that line sucked. He was used to a fantastic uh, line in Pittsburgh. So the crappy, what, 3.2 yards per carry that he had, it just didn't cut it. Yeah. But an interesting, interesting thing here, he had 66 catches. So – he had oh, he had 66 catches and finished 16th in PPR. That just shows you how bad of a season he did. And they didn't have Darnold. That offense was horrible. They've added good pieces. They improved the offensive line. He should definitely improve. But uh, but the thing was, yeah, the last five years out of the running backs who've had more than 64 catches, five, five of them have finished outside of the top 12 in PPR. And all of them were third down backs whose specialty was just catching the ball. None of them were full-time backs as he was. So I don't think that's going to happen again. I think he's going to get better. Uh, and they're, and they're going to have a really good season, I think, for the offense uh, comparatively to how 2019 was. Are you, are you scared of their schedule at all? They, they do have a tough schedule. They, ha- they play, obviously, New England and Buffalo twice, both very good defenses. Miami is an improving team. They play the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Rams, um, all really good, you know, run defenses. Does that scare you at all? It it does and it doesn't uh, because they played them last year too, and I feel like this was this was Le'Veon Bell's floor that we saw. Uh, he had two hundred and forty five carries for seven hundred eighty nine yards and only three touchdowns. Can he really really do much worse than that? I mean, maybe it's a loaded question, but I just I don't see that being as negative so that's why I do feel like he can be a bit more efficient now and I I think that they had a a tough schedule last year too uh, with facing their division teams and I think he's going to get get some similar work yeah I I don't I don't disagree I just a fair question yeah I just I just looked at their schedule and just a couple teams popped right off the schedule I mean he, he definitely could get stuffed again on every single play and he could not get many touchdowns and Gase could hate him and, and Gore Frank Gore could be getting the ball now, you know, 12 to 15 times a game. So I could definitely could see a world where I don't think Gore is going to get that much work, but I don't think he will either, but I think Gore's going to take away from, from the goal line. I would assume. Gore is not good though. He was with Gase in Miami, Frank Gore and Frank Gore did well there. I mean, I know that was, you know, still, what, age 34? (laughs) But um, now he's, what, 37? But it's just the fact that there is a chance, at least especially in the Last year in Buffalo, he had 11 carries inside the five, and he only got one touchdown. Yeah, well, when you run it up the middle, 10 out of those 11 times. Yeah, Yeah, definitely definitely some inefficiency. And and I think we'll we'll move on from Le'Veon Bell. But uh, let's get to the big ticket here. Uh, our 2016 ADP 
number one running back, Mr. Todd Gurley himself. Uh, now current running back for the Atlanta Falcons. I think we all know the story with that coming from the LA Rams. Now in 2020, his ADP is number 20. Uh, last season, he finished 11th and non PPR, and he was 14th in PPR. Most of that uh, due to his heavy touchdown uh, ability. So, Eric, let's talk about talk a little bit about Todd Gurley and, and how you think he may fare with Atlanta. Yeah, um, so I definitely think he's going to have a, a really good 2020 season. Um, Long term worries me just because the one year contract. Uh, he had the the knee issues, so so we'll see how that goes. But I think you're going to be looking at uh, double digit touchdowns with him potentially, potentially in the you know 60 reception range. It could happen if you look at Devonta Freeman's numbers. Uh, uh, the one of his best years, he had 70 targets for 59 receptions. So I, I could see something like that for for Gurley potentially. Obviously, it all depends on his health and. Uh, and, and how he's looking. Um, but, but I think, I think it's going to be a good year this year. Um, their offensive line is hopefully going to be healthy, ready to go. Uh, he's not going to be looking at stacked boxes at all. Obviously we all know that. Um, so, yeah. So yeah, for this year, for this year, he's going to be, he's going to be fantastic. He, he's good to go. He's going to, you're going to get him as your RB two. Um, and I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, but, but long-term I, I am worried about him. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you, Eric. Um, before, you know, the NFL draft happened, I was in uh, trying to sell Todd Gurley, trying to get as much as I can for him and wasn't getting what I thought Todd Gurley was worth. So uh, now now that we're this far in the season, in the offseason, my whole strategy has changed. I'm, ho- I'm hoping that Todd Gurley has an amazing year, so then I can trade him next year. Um Last year, Atlanta's- that's providing he resigns with Atlanta, though, too. Yeah, but, I mean, but, he could sign somewhere else. Yeah, but. if he signs somewhere else, and he, everyone's like, "Oh my God, Todd Gurley's back to being Todd Gurley," that that's yeah. gonna, that's going to help, you know, in trade discussions. Um, I'm big on him this year, just because you already mentioned it. He signed a one-year contract. Atlanta has no commitment to him after this year. They're going to use Todd Gurley. They're going to beat Todd Gurley up. They're going to use. They're going to try to get everything out of Todd Gurley that they possibly can. Last year, they didn't run the ball much. In fact, they were the fewest run. They, they ran the fewest plays um, in, in a game last season. Um, rush plays? Yeah, rush plays. Excuse yeah. me, rushing plays. Uh, I mean, it's not a big surprise after you look at after you look at the box score and you saw Atlanta felt behind a lot, so they were trying to catch up. Um, so, I don't – hopefully the defense, you know, is able to – is able to become a good defense where they're able to keep their team in the game. But the offensive line was shaky at times. Devontae Freeman, like you said, was not was not at par last year. So everything has to fit together here. The offensive line needs to be good. The defense needs to be good. And then, you know, obviously Todd Gurley's health needs to needs to, you know, needs to be healthy for him to have a good season. But I'm all in on him right now. Um I, it's just strategy at this point for me. I I'm hoping that everything, all the puzzle pieces fit together for Atlanta. And if they do, I think Todd Gurley has a great year. Yeah, let me let me just hit on exactly what you guys were talking about. 184 attempts, 70 targets, 59 catches. Total of just over 1,050 yards and six touchdowns. 
That's exactly what Devonta Freeman did last year. Like you guys were saying, he finished as running back 20 in PPR. With how much more efficient Todd Gurley is just in general, even even if he is banged up, he's better than Devonta Freeman. And and like you said, he's not going to see stack boxes. That offense is going to go vertical. Uh, I, I really do think he's going to probably deliver an RB1. Um, maybe, maybe even top 10 potential. Cause I, I do think he's going to get a lot of, a lot of red zone carries, even though it's not something, um, it's not something that he may be super efficient with, but we know that Arizona is very fraught or I'm sorry, Atlanta's extremely frustrating with Julio in the red zone because they do run the ball a bit. And I think they're going to continue to do that with Todd Gurley, whom again, uh, as you guys have mentioned, they have no commitment to besides one year. So if Devonta Freeman can get 250 touches, I don't see why Todd Gurley can't do that. Um, yeah. Oh, another thing I wanted to mention. Sorry. So Atlanta's red zone, uh, their touchdown percentage ranks since 2016 is eighth, 23rd, 10th, and 25th. So we know how Matt Ryan is with his leap years of every other year doing well. Uh, this is their second year with Dirk Cutter, uh, second rotation with Dirk Cutter that Matt Ryan's had him. It's it's going to be a good year for Atlanta. I really think it will be. I I definitely agree. Um, I I'm high on Atlanta, and we we always um you know I think Antonio, you and I talked about uh, Matt Ryan how he has an off year, and then the next year he blows up. So I think this is the year that Atlanta has a uh, puts it all together. Hopefully, since since they haven't since that Super Bowl run. Yeah, people keep chalking it up to the way their schedule was the second half last year when they finished uh, six and two in the last eight games, but or was it even uh, seven and one maybe? But um, I also think it attributed to the fact that Dirk Cutter was there, and normally Matt Ryan gets in his second season he's better, but I think Dirk Cutter being there and it was an offense he was familiar with, the offense just started to click yeah. uh, as a whole especially uh, not a coincidence that they got rid of Muhammad Sanu and um, Austin Hooper got injured and now they're both gone. Did they so, draft a wide receiver this year? I think they might have, but not someone that would, I think Russell Gage, who they've had is their third wide receiver. Um, and then obviously they, they got Hayden Hurst. So um, it'll be interesting to they see. They got Laquan Treadwell too. Oh yeah, they get they grabbed Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> oh yeah, all the rumors or all the talks that have been going around that they may have uh, every position on the offensive, on the offense. Uh, all yeah, the first, first, first round, pick. round picks. Yeah. yeah, not that that means much these days. <laughs> uh-huh. So, let's move on from Todd Gurley. If we've got nothing else, no, yeah. I'm just looking at their draft picks. They they definitely, you know, they definitely ignored the offensive side of the ball, and we're looking to you know, fix that defense. So it might be in favor of Todd Gurley as well if if their defense holds them in games and they don't have to pass the ball so many times they 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 could run the ball late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that is a good point. They have been extremely unlucky the last couple of years with their defense getting injured, um, especially after their Super Bowl run. Uh, all right, let's move on. So the third running back we want to talk about is Melvin Gordon, the new running back for the Denver Broncos. So his ADP wasn't too crazy in 2016. It was actually number 18th, and everybody is probably sitting there like, oh, wow. But 
he was drafted in 2015. So coming off his rookie season where he had no touchdowns, he then came in and uh, went hog wild with 10 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, so in 2020, he is drafted as uh, current RB 23. So Keenan, why don't you talk about Melvin Gordon? When we talked about these four guys a couple weeks ago, I, you know, I, I don't know what it is with me this offseason. I feel like I feel like I'm changing my mind a lot, but I, I, I had Melvin Gordon as my number one. I, I moved Todd Gurley as my number one, and now I got Melvin Gordon as my number two. I just don't know how this offense is going to click. Are they going to throw the ball? Are they going to are they going to run the ball? I, there's so many question marks. They, especially at quarterback as well, which which, which can be a benefit. It could benefit um, Melvin Gordon with a rookie quarter quarterback running a running an offense there. Um, but you know, they're, they're, who's their coach? Vic Fangio is that their coach or is that their offense coordinator? Um, Pat Shermer is the OC. Isn't he? Yeah. Fangio's the head coach. Fangio's the head coach, but he, he did say he wants to establish a physical clock killing style on offense. I don't know if Melvin Gordon fits that role. Would you guys agree or disagree? I feel like Melvin Gordon is more of a, wide receiver slash running back type of player. Well, I mean, if they want to give him a workload, he's he's shown that he's been able to do that before. He's been able to be a 20-touch, you know, per game back. And Shermer does love to target the running back. So, if his last five games – sorry, Denver's last five games, they, they, they go four and one with Locke, and he really didn't throw the ball that much. He only threw it, I think, just over 30 times a game. So, maybe that – getting Gordon and having Lindsay, they do want to run the ball a lot. I just don't – I don't know. I just feel like I would trust Melvin Gordon more more as a pass catching back than a, than a you know, between the tackles trying to kill the clock back. He's he's going to be better than Phillip Lindsay. I mean, he's, he's by far the best running back on that team. Uh, Lindsay's not going to disappear, though. I think you're going to see Royce Freeman more fade, fade out of this offense. I know I'm, I'm upset about it, but yeah, he it's probably happened. Someone's gotta get let go or or moved uh, yeah. somehow from there. I'm hoping Royce gets traded out, um, but but we'll see. He's he's gonna get phased out. Lindsay's not gonna be going anywhere. He's he's produced for him. Uh, they're not just gonna let him disappear. Um, but I I definitely like Melvin Gordon um, for at least the next two years. Um, but. But, yeah, he's not going to be, what is he, uh, ADP 23. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, he's getting up there in age. He's, he's yeah, that that's a good price, I'd say. It's nothing, you know, there's a lot of a lot of good young guys coming in. And, and yeah, I think he's going to, he's going to be one of those lower end RB2s most likely, maybe mid-range RB2. So, that's a pretty good price. Yeah, well, he's, I- Go ahead, Antonio. He, he was going to say he is the youngest of these four. He is only 27. Um, of, but know, he, that's still getting up there for, for running back. It is. It is getting up there, and he has had a quote-unquote injury history. Um, but he has had 40 catches every single year of his career. I do think he's going to continue that. Uh, I think Shermer, as I said, he's going to want to get Melvin Gordon the ball. I think they brought him in because they want to give him the ball. 
I think that he's going to help spell Drew Locke a bit. I think that's why they wanted to get a veteran and they didn't want to keep Lindsay there because they wanted someone who can get in there and knows how to pass block, knows how to help, uh, help make Drew Locke feel a lot better and a lot more comfortable uh, if he just dumps the ball off that he can go and do something with it. Um, again, nothing against Lindsay and Freeman, but the, just the draft caliber, uh, Freeman being undrafted, I'm sorry, Lindsay being undrafted, you know, uh, they brought Gordon in for a reason. So I, I think that it's, it's going to run through Melvin Gordon. I do think, uh, as I mentioned with Gurley, that I think Gordon has a chance to maybe finish in the back end of an RB1, uh, just because he, he could be looking to get another uh, 250 touches. Uh, but I, I'm really excited, actually, for for where, my, where Melvin Gordon landed. And I'm struggling tonight, guys. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I doesn't Shermer like to feature one running back usually as well. Um, just just looking, just looking at his past. I mean, God forbid if Gordon loses the job to Lindsay in in, in training camp. You know, I. His his stock's gonna go because we don't even know who our starter is. That's that's where that's where my concern is right now. Follow the money. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I don't yeah. even know if Lindsay's making over a million dollars. Oh, actually, I lied. I think they gave him a little. A little. I mean, he, um, he Lindsay's gonna fight for the starting job. He I mean, he's he coming off will. coming off back to back thousand yard seasons. He's not just gonna lay down and you know be like, oh, here you go, Gordon, take the job. Um, Kind of like, you know, what happened in in San Diego slash LA with uh, Eckler there. So, yeah, I know it's unpopular, but I I almost would have thought that Lindsey be the odd man out when they got Melvin Gordon and that Freeman maybe would help spell Gordon on third downs. Yeah, if, if maybe Gordon wasn't the guy to get the ball, you know. That's what that's where I was going at when we first started talking about him. I just don't like. If they're looking for Melvin Gordon to be that guy to run the ball in between the tackles, they got the wrong guy. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And uh, I think that's going to wrap up. Actually, no, you, you know what? I want to know, what would you trade? What would you offer somebody? Uh, let's say the Melvin Gordon owner right now, pick-wise from Melvin Gordon. Well, I'm going to stay out of this one because I had Melvin Gordon in a league with both of you. So I'll let you guys talk about this, and I'll and I'll be all ears. <laughs> well, let's say uh, let's say a regular pick, a non non super flex pick, Eric. What would you take a first round pick for Mel, or would you give a first round pick for Melvin Gordon? Um, me personally. It's tough. I guess it depends. If I'm if I'm like a really strong contender and I I definitely need like a, a running back too or, or a little bit more depth at running back, I potentially give a late first. Um, but you know I I love this draft class coming out, so I'd rather you know take my chances and hope like a Justin Jefferson or or someone falls. You know in, in the late in the late um, first or even Cam Akers you, I've seen going you know, seventh, eighth, ninth pick. Um, I'd rather take take one of those guys over him. But, but yeah, if I'm a strong contender, though, I need a running back, i definitely consider it. But it would definitely have to be a late first. If he was still in L.A., Antonio, I would definitely give up a first for him just because of his numbers that he would that he used to put up in L.A. 
I just I don't know where this offense is going. That's that's my that's my thing. Um, they drafted a couple wide receivers. Do they believe in Drew Locke that much, or is he is he gonna be a good quarterback? And if and if if he is, is he gonna is he gonna hurt Melvin Gordon's value? Is there enough footballs to go around with that offense? Well, that's the thing. If is if Drew Lock isn't throwing the ball a lot, that means hopefully Melvin Gordon's getting it. But I also think that with Judy, with Cortland Sutton, with Noah Fant, uh, with Hamler, that they have so much speed that they will be able to stretch the field, which is going to open it up for Melvin Gordon, especially if Drew Lock checks it down. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. Out of every person on the Denver offense, Melvin Gordon's the one I do feel most confident about being able to carve out and keep that role. Like I'm not confident fans going to break out beyond what he did last year because of targets. I don't know if Sutton can do better than he did last year, which was still a good year. Um, And then, you know, you have to add duty to that. Uh, So it's definitely going to be interesting for me, but I'll be honest. If I, I, I'd be throwing out probably mid seconds all day, hoping they'd get accepted. Um, I probably any other year, of course, there's a lot of talent coming out this year. Um, as there has been in recent years, but most years I probably would throw out a late first if I could yeah. still get two years of of good production out of out of Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I think I think a, I think a late first is a fair offer. Um, it all depends. You're on right. This year be tough. You're right, though. Uh, so I think let's uh, move on to our final uh, running back, the RB three. Uh, from 2016, and that would be David Johnson, uh, the current running back for the Houston Texans, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals, now is a, has an ADP of 31 here in 2020. Uh, very interesting situation, how he got to Houston. Uh, he traded part of the DeAndre Hopkins deal that really kind of left everybody scratching their head on what uh, Bill O'Brien is looking to do with that offense, but maybe David Johnson's the answer to him. Yeah, I think uh, what ADP 31, that that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good value right there because I really think he can come in, he can get 250 carries, maybe 40, 45 catches um, over a thousand yards total, you know, probably add in, Love at least it. eight touchdowns. Yeah, more. I'm potentially double digit. Um, uh, he's another one though. Long term, obviously, is he's not going to be the best option. He's already he's already clearly slowing down. Um, and you know, uh, maybe another year or two two of good production. Um, but we'll see. I I I I'm still I still have hope out for him because I I know a back injury is it takes a long time to heal and everyone's knocking him saying he looked terrible after the injury last year. Well, obviously because they legitimately back injuries take months to heal sometimes to be, to be back to where, where you're normally at. So, so I'm not going to knock him for that. We'll we'll see what he can do this year. He's going to be in a, well, maybe a good offense. We'll see, but he has Deshaun Watson there. Uh, They got Brandon cooks, Will Fuller, uh, so that that they as long as they stay healthy, that they could open up the offense for him. So, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I I think I think we're gonna see. I don't know if we're gonna see David Johnson a bit old, but I think we're gonna see. A, I think David Johnson's gonna have a pretty solid year. Honestly, Carlos Hyde isn't there anymore. He's in Seattle. Who's 
I think he was their starter. I, I don't know who their starter was. They were, I think they kind of split carries between Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde, but Carlos Hyde has, or Duke Johnson, excuse me, has only had, has only topped a hundred carries just once in his career. So I think David Johnson was brought in there to be the starter. And I, and I think he's going to get a lot, a lot of carries, especially with the, the departure of Hopkins. Um, there, that's, that's 120 targets, I believe. 150 targets he, Hopkins had last year. Now, where are those 150 targets going to go? They're not just going to go to Will Fuller. And um, someone's got to touch the ball on those 150 carries, 150 targets um, that Hopkins got last year for Texans. So I think, I think they're going to feature David Johnson a lot. And I think David Johnson is going to be Watson's, Deshaun Watson's best friend. Yeah, I haven't been able to figure it out just yet of – what I think of David Johnson, I think that that I agree. I agree that they are going to give him the football. I think that they have to give him the football with what they're paying him and the, the capital they just did to to acquire him. And I think that this offense is meant to be speedy and and they're going to stretch the field. Uh, Will Fuller is going to run deep. Brandon Cooks is fast. Uh, Kiki Kuti will probably be cut. But uh, I'm blanking on some other wide receiver at the moment. But uh, uh, Kenny Stills, sorry. So I think that they're going to stretch the field, and that's going to leave David Johnson uh, able to line up in the slot a lot, uh, or even just in general getting the football. I think he's going to free him up. That line's definitely better than uh, what Arizona was. And just in the short eight games he had with them, he already had 30 catches. My only, which is my only worry actually for him, is that in the whole time. Bill O'Brien's been the coach there. What are we going on? Season six now, uh, five or six. Duke Johnson has had the most catches in a season, which is only 44. So Eric thinking he's going to get potentially, you know, 250, 300, 300 touches. Um, I'm hoping he can get to 50 catches. I I really think he I think, will. I think they are going. I to think cater. more 40, 45 is about is a good you know estimate. Is there that where too. you have him? I mean, that's where it would look to to go based on O'Brien's history, but I'm, I'm thinking they're going to cater the offense to him a little more. I think he's going to become Deshaun Watson's new best friend. Uh, and you see and, what, what Carlos, I did there last year. Like, right. David Johnson's going to be better than him. Um, and it, God, David, I think so. With David Johnson though, he has a history of lining up more than the other three guys. I, I feel lining up as a wide receiver also. Um, Absolutely. So I think, like I said earlier, I think the targets that, you know, Hopkins got last year, the 150, they're going to, he's going to get the ball. Um, it, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be run, running, rushing or, or receiving, but he's definitely going to get, get the ball. So I think, I think where we have him listed, I think he's a good, good buy. And I, I would take my chances on him for sure. And I, I, in dynasty, I definitely took my chances by trading for him a um, couple couple months ago i think i gave up adam Thielen for him so we'll see how that works out for me yeah i i don't think that i can see 30 other running backs that i would say are better than david johnson right now um and definitely definitely not 30 that have a good of opportunity as he does right right i mean maybe you know maybe adp of 20 21 more in the range of where you know Bell and, and Gordon and those guys are going, uh, because like we like you said the opportunity. So and I'm not worried about Duke Johnson there either. I mean Duke, Duke Johnson is he's going to be what he is. 
his whole career he's been, he's been the same thing. He's yeah. not going to be he's not going to be a threat, especially he's not going to be a threat carry wise. He's gonna, he's only going to be a threat receiving wise. But I I I think I think David David Johnson is going to be better, and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna be the the majority uh, target share for running backs there. Well, when you give up when you give up Hopkins for David Johnson, he's there. You better feature David Johnson. That's all. I yeah. Have. I just I I can't imagine you know. I'm coming out of training camp and now it's in a Duke Johnson sir, starter. Can you imagine that? Can you be – I would love to be a Texans and see the Texans uh, fans freak out for a little bit there. <laughs> Even more than they just did. Yeah. Uh, so that, that wraps up the, those four that we want to talk about, but there's a couple questions that I do want to ask. Uh, let's start with which of these situations interest you the most? Keenan. For me, I – like I said earlier, um, I think Todd Gurley really interests me the most. I dynasty wise, I think if he has a great year, you you're going to be able to cash in next year. Someone's going to overpay. Um, and in, in redraft, I think in redraft leagues, I think you're, you're you won't have to reach for him. Um, I think you're going to be able to potentially get an RB one late in the draft. Yeah, I agree. Todd Gurley is my my uh, favorite situation here as well. I think he's the only one that really has – I think he's the only one out of this group that truly has a potential to be a top-10 running back, at least for 2020. Uh, mine's actually going to be Melvin Gordon, uh, mostly off of what you said. He's got to be different. You know, well, like you said, we just don't know what this what, what the team's going to look like. But as I said – I am confident. I think that Melvin Gordon is, is how that offense is going to run. Uh, I think that uh, there was a few seasons in L.A. where he had 300 touches. I do think there is a chance, a good chance, that Melvin Gordon is going to get close to 300 touches this year. And also being the youngest, he's got the best shot for fighting for another contract after two years from now. So I'm sure he's going to, going to want to perform well. Uh, there's a lot of hype around that offense. So I'm really interested to see what Melvin Gordon can do. Happy with happy to see what Gurley does too, but Melvin's my guy there. Uh, next question: Who do you think gets the most carries? Not touches, carries. Eric carries probably probably Bell. I'd say Bell or David Johnson. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go Bell. Um, like you guys said before. Like Keenan said, he's potentially going to get more work. I think it'll be more of a similar workload. And even if he gets a similar workload to last year, then he he's easily most likely going to get the most carries out of this group. I'm going to go with David Johnson. I, like I said earlier, I think he they're going to feature him. I really do. I I don't see why they – I don't see anyone else they could feature on that offense right now. And, and uh, Bill O'Brien's going to want to tell everyone, hey, I was right on – I was right to draft – to trade for this guy. I hope so. Yeah, I'm sure he'll put his money where his mouth is. But uh, I got Le'Veon Bell as well. Uh, I just I think that they have to give him the ball. I think even with Gore coming there, uh, it's it's really not going to do do much worry to him. Uh, so yeah, Le'Veon Bell is look, looking to get the most carries there. So who finishes with the most catches then? For me, I'm going to go with Melvin Gordon. I just 
I don't know. I, 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 I don't know why, honestly. <laughs> I just think with Drew Locke, I think you mentioned Antonio. He might be his best friend. Um, they're going to stretch the field there with all that wide receiver talent. And Drew Locke's going to want to dump it down a lot when, when times get tough in that pocket. So I'm going to go with Melvin Gordon. Wow, changing it up over there. I like it. I, I just I don't I don't know why. I just I, I cannot I cannot just give up on Melvin Gordon. I and I'm hoping yeah. I'm hoping he doesn't because you know in our Western New York Dynasty League I've come close to winning a championship. And I think on paper I have the best team and I need him this year, so fingers crossed. I I think I think for Gordon to get number one out of this group though is gonna be tough. Um because I, I do think Bell's getting over 60. Um, Todd Gurley's going to be potentially getting close, maybe getting over 60. Um, and I, I like I said, I think Gordon's going to be more in the 40, 45, maybe even up to 50 range. But I, I, I think it's going to be real tough for him to get into the 60s. So I do think it's going to be Bell. Um, but I, I think Todd Gurley's going to push him for this one. Yeah, I have Todd Gurley as well. Uh, I think Bell and Gurley will both be in the 60s again. Uh, sorry, Bell being in the 60s. But, yeah, that's uh, it's going to be close between them. I think all of them have a really good shot at getting over 50 as well together. So, final question, who does the best out of the four? Who is the best? Who finishes the best in 2020? Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley. I think the, I think Tony, the touch, I wanna, touchdowns are going to push him over he, the edge. I want to see what Anthony was, was going to say. I think that I think that the touchdowns for Todd Gurley are going to put him over too. It's between him and Melvin Gordon for me. Yeah, I like I said, I think they're going to use him one year contract. They're going to they're they don't have no commitment to him, and uh, and with them not be, not not being able to run the ball at all last year, I think they're going to try to establish that run game. All right, so that's going to end it for the oldies but goodies, but we do still kind of want to talk about some of the oldies. So keeping it with that theme, where we want to talk about a couple of uh, teams that have some uh, running back, I guess, question marks where we really don't know who the starters are going to be. And um, majority of them do tend to be on the more mature age side. So let's start this one off with Raheem Mostert, who's 28, and Tevin Coleman, who's 27, running backs for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, how do you think this one's going to play out? 50-50. I, I, think, I think both of them are just equally as good. And I think with um, um, Kyle Shanahan, oh, my God, running that offense, I think he likes to spread the ball around. I think – I think they're, they're going to split, split carries and they're going to split touches pretty much. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this backfield. Plus, for some odd reason, they still have Jarek McKinnon there. And I drafted I just, him and I drafted him late. One one of the, one of the oh, draft. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, just a lot of people are real hyped up on Raheem Mostert, but the guy's 28 and he didn't really pop until now. And I I don't know. I think it's just a really good year for Mostert that he had. Um, and going into this year, I think it's be. It's going to be a, a split back backfield for sure. Yeah, that's exactly my thought on Mostert. I don't hate the man at all. Great story, but you've been with the team for five, five seasons now. Shanahan's seen you the last few years. All of a sudden, you get your shot. 
And I, I do think Coleman's going to be the one that's going to get more carries in the end, but no, not by much. He'll probably get 45, 50%. You'll see Mostert get 30, 35, and then third running back will come in with probably, you know, 15 or 20. But um, yeah, it's going to be a little muddled. I just don't see them changing their style really because Shanahan has given most Moster the ball 171 times in 25 games. That's a little under seven carries. Like I just don't see them changing that. Yeah. Tevin Coleman started out the first eight games with a lot of touches and then switched over to Moster. So I think it's just going to be the hot hand approach. Yeah. It's going to be a New England approach. Don't stay away from this backfield. Yeah, stay away from it. But if you do have to get somebody, I prefer Coleman. Uh, now, they did get rid of Burita, Matt Burita, who moved his way over to Miami. And Miami now has themselves with a little bit of a, a muddled backfield. I'm not saying it's one we're looking to go out there and get these guys. But uh, for people in those situations, there's Jordan Howard and Matt Burita, both 25. So not necessarily oldies, but Jordan Howard's quietly been in the league going on his fifth year now and he's this is now his third team so someone who's gotten a thousand yards almost every year and now is competing with Brita who showed some some flashes uh how do you think that backfield might play out I actually I like Jordan Howard a lot for this year um I'm I'm you can get him as your fourth running back and I I really do think there's a legitimate chance that he can get a thousand yards and eight to ten touchdowns um, he, just before the NFL draft, everyone was excited about what rookie was going to be drafted there. Who was going to, who was going to be the running back in Miami. Um, and they didn't take anybody. They traded for Brita. They added Jordan Howard. Uh, we all know Brita's going to get hurt and it's going to be the Jordan Howard show there. At, le- at least for this year, he's going to be a good option. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Brita's going to get hurt. I just, I don't think he has a, has a chance to compete with Jordan Howard. Since Jordan yeah. Howard has, you know, entered the league, he, he has the third most rushing yards and seventh most rushing touchdowns since he entered the league in 2016. Um, he's also one of five players to rush for at least six touchdowns in the last four seasons. I mean, the guy is – it's production. Um, my guess is that Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to lead this team in rushing this year like he did last year. So, I think Jordan Howard is definitely going to be the guy – um, he's still young. He's pretty fresh too. I mean, he's, yeah. he, I don't, I don't, I don't get why he has a bad rep and I, it's I the, the receiving. That's why. Yeah. I get, I'm, I'm that guy. That's also getting been like, Oh, Jordan Howard, who cares? Move on to the next guy. But you know, after looking at his numbers, Hey, if you can get him as your third, fourth running back, Hey, sign me up. I mean, when you're that late in the draft, I think you're just looking for production and, Jordan Howard's middle name is Mr. His production. Um, I think if he, if he lands as your fourth running back and you have injuries, I, I think you're confident just to plug him in and, and still continue on with your season until your running backs one, two or three come back. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that Jordan Howard can definitely be a value, um, especially with that ADP uh, there. Is a fear though that maybe Burita can take over, or maybe there is a hot hand approach like uh, like New England runs, uh, seeing as how their their head coach uh, is is an ex Patriots coach. Who knows if that's how he wants to run it now that he's got a couple more uh, running backs. Uh, I could definitely is- see I could definitely see a hot hand 
high end approach. Um, I just don't think Brita can handle the a large workload. Um, and and like I said, I just don't think he's as good as a runner of, as Jordan Howard is. Um, but but yeah, we'll yeah, see what happens. absolutely. Um, Brian Flores, the head coach. Um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. I do think Jordan Howard will be the guy uh, for them. Uh, I just can see a world with with Brita coming in, but. Yeah, not not too much really need to talk about with Miami, uh, much more than that. So I just want to talk a little bit more about Mark Ingram. He's going to be 31. DeAndre Swift just got drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. They have J.K. Gus Dobbins. Edwards, or sorry, uh, J.K. Dobbins, thank you. Uh, they have Gus Edwards. They have Justice Hill. Maybe someone will be removed. Um, do you think it's the Mark Ingram show for 2020? Absolutely not. He if you have any stock in Mark Ingram, you better try to sell it and try to get what you can because I think he's he's slowly – his career is coming to an end slowly, especially with that young backfield. I think by, I don't know, week six, J.K. Dobbins is getting most of the carries with Gus Edwards. As I think I think a lot of it's going to depend on how how training camp goes. If there is training camp, how – how all that's going to have play out. And um, I, you know, I think if there is minimal training camp and everything, it's going to be more halfway towards the end of the season until JK Dobbins really starts taking over. Um, but if they get a full training camp in full preseason, everything, I could definitely see it. Like you said, week six or a little bit earlier on, but JK, JK Dobbins is, is a fantastic running back and marking rooms, you know, he's, He's he's older, man. He's he's gonna be done. Um, didn't we didn't we talk about Gus Edwards? How many touches he's had? He's had a lot over the years, hasn't he? Yeah, I think it's it was two uh, years. the stat you you were mentioning, Eric, was that he's had the highest yards per carry. In yeah, the he was drafted, so he two years he's been in the league. Yeah, he, he's had the the uh, highest yards per carry, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, definitely efficient. Um, so it just shows, though, maybe it, maybe that's also Baltimore's offense. But again, um, he's he's nothing compared to J.K. Dobbins either. Yeah, the only um, way right? I don't I don't view I don't view Edwards as a threat, um, but I definitely like him as a handcuff if you have J.K. Dobbins or or Ingram. Yeah, I was gonna say the only way I draft Mark Ingram or Gus Edwards is if I have J.K. Dobbins, just so I could get the the handcuff. Um, I I really don't think. Ingram or Edwards are going to be a, a big factor once Dobbins established himself with that offense. Yeah, a lot of people in the industry seem to think it's going to be Mark Ingram for a lot of 2020 and then Dobbins for 21. And I don't know. I just – I know that the three of us kind of think – If there's not – like I said, if there's, if there's not really much of a training camp or preseasons is, you know, canceled or anything like that, it's very likely that Ingram's going to be – it's going to be the Ingram show at least for the half, first half of the year. Um, but it, yeah. it also depends. It's possible he loses a step. Um, and, you know, he he's already declining. You know, like I see he's over, what, 30 years old. So Yeah, or, you know, maybe Dobbins just is uh, – he just flashes right away. Um, we'll definitely – I hope so. I love I love J.K. Dobbins, so. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. I could definitely wow. see it. I can see him taking over right away, to be honest with you. He's that good. Um, uh, one more – one more. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to say muddle backfield because uh, the incumbent did already mention that uh, they are not part of the starting role, and that would be Carlos Hyde, who will be turning 30 this year, signed by Seattle. 
Um, how much How much do you think you might take away from Chris Carson with Rashad Penny's uh, torn ACL keeping him out? I don't think he takes away anything from Chris Carson. I think Carl's Hyde is more of a insurance blanket, I guess. If Chris Carson does go down, they have that veteran running back to step in. Look at all the injuries that they had last year after Penny and Carson went down. They went – they went down to call in Marshawn Lynch to be their starter in a, was it a playoff game or was it end of the season? End of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And they needed to win or something. I, I just think this is more of an insurance blanket. Um, and like you said, Penny's on, on the pup list. Um, but I think, I mean, they even said in, uh, in I think the Seattle time, whatever newspapers over there, that, that Carson is the primary back. So I don't think Hyde does, bring any value to your fancy lineup unless Carson is down. So this is more of a Dred Carson, Jay Hyde as your, as your handcuff. Yeah, that, or also if, uh, if Carson decides to uh, start fumbling again, uh, yeah, it's, it's all insurance. So it's, it's going to be the Carson show until he either, not until, but if he gets hurt or ends up, you know, having having a little span where he, he likes to drop the drop the football. So I don't think the fumbling issue has it hasn't it hasn't stopped him from giving the ball to Carson in the past. I don't think it will if it can. No, it will it, it will though for the game that it happens though. He's been oh. taken out of games, yeah. so I mean, you could see that happen if he fumbles early once or twice in the game. Could be the Carlos Hyde uh, show for that game, but. uh but yeah, I'm not. I'm not super worried about it though. Like I said, it's, it. I definitely agree. It's more insurance. They needed someone there with Penny Hurt still, and I, although I do like some DJ Dallas, so I'd be more. I'd actually probably be more worried about DJ Dallas than I would Carlos Hyde. And and Travis Homer was was. I think they drafted him last year too. So yeah, I think, you know they they have a couple of young backs there. Um, I. Just stick with Carson. I wouldn't worry about it with anyone else. Yeah, I'll just agree with everything you guys just said. Uh, Carson's a guy. Uh, the final person, Devonta Freeman, 28 years old, uh, is a free agent right now, but has been in talks with Philadelphia and Tampa Bay. Um, not not positive, a couple other places. But where, where do you think ultimately he's going to go and where – he does land, uh, let's say, if Philly or Tampa, what kind of a role will, will he play? I really hope he goes to neither of them. Um, but even if he does, I don't think it'll be a huge role. Uh, he clearly took a big step back. He's not the same guy he used to be. And if he goes to Philly, I, I really don't even think he'll be able to compete with Boston Scott with how, with how Scott did there last year. Um, obviously not going to compete with uh, Miles Sanders at all. Um, and then even if he goes to Tampa Bay, I like both Vaughn and Ronald Jones over him. So I really don't know where he's going to go. I don't think he's going to get the contract that he thinks he's going to get. And who knows? He could potentially sit out like he said he would. Um, but I, I want nothing to do with him. Antonio, who's who's the Philadelphia Eagles backup running back since you're such a big uh... – Boston Scott. Did you mention that? I'm sorry I missed that. But, um... Correct. I'm looking at – I'm just looking at, you know, the cap space for each team right now. Um, like you said, Eric, that he's not going to get the deal that he wants, and that's why he's still a free agent. If he, if there was a deal even close to what he wanted, he would have signed it, I think, at this 
at this time. But I think Philly is probably the best, the best option. I think, I think that he can beat up, beat out Scott. I, I, I think Freeman has some, has some talent still. I've drafted him in a couple leagues late, just, you know, late, what I think 28th round, 29th round out of 30, just took him just to, just to put him on my team, just in case. And I think he can end up in Philly because of the cap space that they have. And I don't think they would care if they gave him three to $4 million for next, next season. I think he wants more than that. I think he was offered 4 he, million. Not going to get that. He was offered 4 million and he turned it down and he he's said he might sit out if he doesn't get more. I guess he's sitting out then. I yeah, guess. So well, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I want, I want, he's already, what you said, 28. I, I don't really want anything to do with him. Yeah, I, I'm again. I'm, I'm not too uh, too worried about him wherever he lands either. So, would you say would you add him if, if he's a free agent in your dynasty league? I'd add him. Yeah, why not? You I mean, know, you always need running backs. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely add him just because there's going to be injuries, especially with this whole COVID thing going on as well. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, players going to start getting the virus. You know. Some team's going to need a running back. You might as well snag them if you have the space and just leave them there. There's no, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If you got the roster room for it, then uh, then you definitely should put him on there because because you don't know where he's going to go. Um, I think that's going to end it then for our oldies. Uh, unless you guys have anything else you want to add. Uh. No, I'm good. We covered it all. That'd be it there. All right. Well, that's going to move us to our final segment, and that is the weekly Mafia Market. And uh, this week we have a 12-team Superflex League uh, trade that I made. I sent away Cooper Cup and Jameis Winston for Terry McLaurin, the 212 which wound up being LaVisca Chenault and Tyrod Taylor. So let me talk about this one real quick. Now, this is in the Dynasty Diagnostic Champions League. Um, if none of you are familiar, make sure you follow the Dino Diagnostic with the Dynasty Diagnostic uh, podcast. They are great guys, Aton and Stompy over there. But uh, anyways, yeah, this was my thought process here. So LaVisca Chenault is my fourth ranked wide receiver uh, out of the rookies. So him being down at 212, I, I just feel like I had to make a move. I was going crazy. I was trying to trade up starting at like 207, just wasn't working. So I've already got uh, I've already got Tua, uh, Lamar, and Josh Allen, so I figured I can get rid of Jameis. I really like McLaurin. got me some depth. I'm not a big fan of Tyrod, but I think he can at least get me through until Tua steps up. So I'll have a starter, so – uh, I felt pretty good about this trade, but what do you guys think about it? You're I think league, being being in the league as well. Unfortunately, I think you won the damn trade. Um, I could say a lot of words right now because I a lot of swear words right now at you because I do love McLaren. I think you got the best player in, out of out of Cooper Cup and him. Um, the the jury's still out on obviously Chanel and who cares about Tyron Taylor and Jameis. Um, I definitely think that you want to trade just because of what scary Terry, I like to call him, um, was able to do last year with that horrible Washington Redskins offense. 
um, nine, almost a thousand yards receiving last year, and he had seven touchdowns, um, hundred ninety-one fantasy points. So, average about thirteen fantasy points a game. I, I think that alone you want to trade. Um, and his age, I'm, not, I'm, I know, I know Eric's a big fan of Cooper Cup. I mean, he can talk on it, but I, I'm not. I mentioned, I mentioned before, I feel like. I feel like that offense has changed, and I think Robert Woods is starting to become number one wide receiver there. Yeah, don't hate on my boy Cooper Cup over there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. It. I keep every time I look at this trade, I, I I keep going back and forth about it. So I do think it was a very, I guess, fair trade. Um. But I will say, because I, I do think McLaurin's the better option long-term, but right now I obviously like Cooper Cup better. Um, I, I don't think Dwayne Haskins is going to be the long-term option there. They could end up drafting another another quarterback and starting over there. So who knows how long it'll be until McLaurin's really a top option. Um, but, but like I said, long-term is a better option. I think where you're potentially going to lose it is if Jameis – does end up becoming the starter next year, and who knows if he does actually become the longer long term option there in New Orleans, then I think you're going to be kicking yourself in the butt about this one. But but uh, there's a just a likely chance that that won't happen. So I mean, like I said, McLaurin's the better option long term out of these wide receivers. Uh, but but yeah, it's close. We'll see what happens with it. Yeah, uh, that's how I felt. I know that Jameis, uh, Jameis is the only piece that I didn't feel comfortable getting rid of. Um, but I, I, I do kind of feel like uh, this is a better move beyond 2020. And I won the championship last year. Uh, it's a four-division, 48-team uh, now. So uh, there's four leagues of 12 teams in each of it. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, fun to see how it plays out. We know that Jameis is not going to be the starter there. We all know that everyone, everyone in New Orleans loves that Taysom Hill guy. So let's uh, let's not let's not give Jameis that job that job next year or two years from now. <laughs> yeah, I'm confident he'll be somewhere next year, uh, if not New Orleans being a starter. Uh, but that's that's going to wrap up the Mafia Market for the week. That's going to wrap up the episode for the week. And uh, does uh, anybody else have anything else to say? I don't. I, uh, I'm actually speechless for once. I don't know. Maybe I'm just tired. We're doing this kind of late at night after our big Father's Day weekend. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. I'm definitely tired as well. Uh, we do have some really big, really big uh, exciting news to announce for next week, though. We are going to have uh, our good friend, uh, Dynasty Outhouse, Russ Fisher here. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar, he is part of the Trade Addicts podcast with Brian Har. He is at Dynasty Outhouse on Twitter. Uh, great guy, great guy. So we are extremely humbled. Uh, very excited to have him on as our first guest. So make sure to check that out next week. All right, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Mafia underscore FF. Don't forget to follow me at Antonio Denisi FF. Uh, Eric is at Eric D underscore FF and Keenan at Keenan underscore seven one six. Feel free to like rate, subscribe and share our podcast to all of your friends. Thanks again for listening. 
And without further ado, again, happy Father's Day and uh, everybody be safe and we'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. See you. Mafia out.